welcome to the Line of Vienna Suite podcast, episode 73. My name is Dan Murphy, and I'm joined by three lovely gentlemen this evening. First of all, it's Mr. Chris Manning, the man of the hour, controversy, of holding everywhere. Chris, how are you after uh, after the week that's happened in the world of Bolton? Um, yeah, I'm fine, thank you, Dan. Good evening to yourself. And Well, yeah, maybe... You know, I'm not trying to be controversial. I just, I think I've, I've learned my lesson. I, no, no, it really doesn't. And I think it's my own fault for, for posting my ratings on, you know, immediately upon returning home after a game that I felt somewhat disappointed in a few performances here and there. But maybe a lesson learned on my part. You know, if you're going to dish it out, be prepared to take it. And I absolutely am, of course. Um, but, you know, maybe a lesson learned, maybe not. More, I guess we'll... more on that later. Well, I will say now. Yeah, we'll find out soon. It's nowhere near the worst ratings that's ever been published on that said website. But <laughs> anyway, also joining us is Tom. Tom, how are you? Hello. Um, let me back playing staff football on Friday. Oh. And I spent the weekend decorating. So, so for a Sunday bad. night, for a Sunday night, pretty pissed off to be honest. Oh, you're, oh dear! You're waking all over the show. Oh, I'm just getting old. My back's killing me. Oh, no. This is a depression. So. Looking to my future right here, decorating a <laughs> And also joining us is very special guest. It's Mr. Mark Isles. Mark, how are you? I'm wonderful. All all the better for Saturday. At least yeah. I've had some football to write about this week. Yeah, I mean. I was wondering if we was going to do a podcast last week after Tom's fucking brazen claims that we'd easily win uh, the two previous games of last week, which of course <laughs> we did not. <laughs> so I think that's a good place to start since we've got two weeks worth of football to talk about. We'll, we'll start with the negatives and work our way up to Saturday's positives. <laughs> we had two home games, didn't we, lads? Two home games that we should have won. Two games that two home games that Tom and I believe it was Johnny. It was Johnny, wasn't it? Said we'd win easily, no, uh, no threats whatsoever. And Chris, the first one was Bristol, and we did not beat them. We didn't, but we got a brilliant point, um, given that we got absolutely pasted from pretty much from the, the the fifth minute onwards. I thought we were we were second best by quite a considerable margin. So I, I viewed uh, viewed that previous week's game as a as a point earned rather than two points lost. Dan, very very hard to. Imagine, given the, the comparative reputations of the two teams, but I thought we were thoroughly outplayed. Um, and if we're not looking to sign that Billy Bowden from Bristol Rovers this summer, then the super agents may be not quite so super. I thought he was one of the best players we've seen line up against us all season. Absolutely ran the midfield and, and looked, a, looked a real cut above some of the dross we've had to watch this season. So, yeah, fair play. Bristol Rovers were, were excellent. Mm-hmm. What was so... Good about this Borden character. I've never heard of him before. Neither had I. I didn't know he's the son of the the former Wales left back Paul Borden who, who hit the bar against whoever it was. Mark, help me out with that. Once upon a time for Wales uh, World, World Cup qualifier was it Romania? I want to say. Yeah, that that sounds that sounds about right. And um, so he's got a, a decent footballing pedigree behind him. But as a as a composed controlling midfielder, he was everything that you might want. He was he was skilled on the ball. He looked a threat going forward. He dictated the play front to back. Um, all in all, Dan, him and, him and Gladwin from Swindon represent two of the better oh, yeah. better opposition performances I've seen this season. Did but as a team... Thorpe doesn't do that, Chris. It depends if you're talking about <laughs> the pre, pre-Christmas Tom Thorpe or post-Christmas Tom Thorpe because, you know, we're, we change our opinions more often than, than oh, Trotters Blog changes their, changes their underpants. But 
Tom Thorpe is now the, now the Antichrist, obviously, where previously he was the Messiah. Maybe he's just a very naughty boy. He does look like Jesus, to be fair. He looks like everybody that I've ever wanted to put their head down a toilet at school, in fairness. But, you know, he's a lovely guy. I, I'm not going to criticise him too much. Um, back on topic, you know, Bristol Rovers were a very organised team. I think defensively they were the best we've seen, again, this season. They, they marshalled um, Chris Long and Medine, I think it was, at that point. Um, very, very well. Um, in, you know, even winding th- uh, long ups of it to the point where he got himself sent off. Um, oh, all in all, they were an excellent, uh, an excellent team, and, and they would feel very harshly done by not going away with three points. I thought Anik made a couple of decent saves, um, and their own poor finishing combined to uh, to leave Wanderers with a point, a decent point given the circumstances. Mm-hmm. Oh, despite it on paper, you know, it, as the game went on, it ended up being a decent point, Mark. Was the performance and results still disappointing considering the opportunity we had of two relatively easier, on paper at least, oppositions after two difficult away games? Yeah, I think I think generally speaking that the performance wasn't what you really want as a, as a home performance. You never, uh, you know, maybe first 20 minutes or so, not too bad, but to, to let the, the opponents sort of dominate. I mean, the stats, I, I can't remember, something like 60% possession. Yeah, we had 38, you know. had 62. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you don't like to see, you know, Bolton being dictated to on their own pitch, really, in, in that sort of respect. Um, I thought the midfield, it was, you know, sort of patently obvious, you know, that Jay Spearing wasn't there as soon as he disappeared at halftime against Bristol Rovers. Um all of a sudden you had this yawning chasm in the middle of the pitch and, and it wasn't being filled. So, um, no, two fairly vanilla performances. I agree with Chris. Uh, Bowden was excellent. I thought I was very impressed with Rovers. Um, and had they taken the chances, that could have been a, a real whitewash. But, uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, you, you move on from it. But, um, uh, you know, don't want to lose those sorts of games. And, and maybe that tells you a little bit more about the kind of the mentality they've got, not sort of digging in and, and getting points in those games. But um, not too many positives to take from. No, not at all. Um, Reese Fabara made his debut, Tom. I do believe you, you did go, didn't you, Tom? I did, yeah. So Reese Fabara made his long-awaited debut and he came in for quite some heavy criticism and hasn't played since... Was he the most disappointing of the lot, or was anybody else particularly not very good? Um, I, I don't really want to give him too much stick because it was clear that he was he was doing a job. I don't. I think Parky was flirting with moving away from the three at the back, and the only thing he could do really was put Wabara in at right back, and it was just clear that he wasn't he wasn't near match fit. I don't think it's a case that we're just going to wash our hands of him. And that's the last we'll see of him. In terms of the performances, there was there was there was average to bad performances across the pitch, and a better side would have would have dealt with us. Um, there's a lot of teams in the division who'd have beat us if we, had we played like that against them. So, as, as well as Bristol Rovers played that game, that game for them was there for the taking, and they only came away with a point. Um, so, it's, to be honest, it's difficult to single people out when the performance is really that. No, it wasn't terrible, but it was just it was just mundane. It was it was average to bad fives and sixes all across the park. But I shouldn't really talk about numbers, should I? I should stay away <laughs> from that. If I may say, before just interrupting slightly, Bristol Rovers and Wimbledon both came into the game on much better form than we did, and I think maybe it's our own sense of self-importance that led us to think that we should you know brush them away quite so easily. Um, and both 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 teams proved that that form's telling, isn't it? 
Um, sorry, Tom, to interrupt, but I just think it's interesting that both came into the game, the, the opposition teams they are, uh, that is, playing so well. But but we just, we, we felt guilty of this before, I think, in the season. Swindon being an example where we should, we expect to brush these teams away, given how good we were 10 years ago. It needs to stop. I think it's more, at least it's on my part, of just not giving enough of a shit about League One to even bother looking up league positions, really. I mean, mm, possibly, Bristol, yeah. Bristol Rovers, sorry, that I'll go down with, could have been fucking fourth. I wouldn't have known. I only knew Fleetwood got up to, like, second. With, you know, we're doing so well till they took over us in the league. I was like, I really just hate this division so much. But could it be said that uh, the most disciplined, or the biggest you know, negative from the match is potentially losing Jay Spearing for a number of weeks, Chris? Oh yeah, without question. I mean, obviously at that point we didn't know how close that Prattley was back to uh, to coming back and, and Carachan as well. So yeah, to lose someone of Spain's experience, experience quality when he's on his day, he's by far you know that should or at least should be the dominant midfielder in this division. Whether we've seen those days often enough is another matter. Um, but his his tackle that he, he injured himself by was the typical blood and thunder sort of challenge. Maybe you could argue that. A minute before half time, in you know, on the halfway line was perhaps not the place to make that tackle. But he is who he is. You can't change that. So I'm not gonna not gonna have a, have a pop at him. From what it sounds like, it kind of reminds me of how Sean Davis fucking ended his career against Liverpool, going yeah, it was very innocuous, you know, well, in, not, in the not, grand not, scheme of things. Not Sean Davis, sorry, uh, Mark Tierney. He when he got oh yeah yeah time, he was doing yeah. a, a mad thunder bluster tackle right on the. Uh, right on the touchline when it wasn't really needed. Great time. Yeah, that's we true. All applauded it, but he <laughs> ended his career quite sadly. That's true. Uh, the parallels are definitely there. It's you know I don't. It's obviously worked out through through Mark reporting much the same that it's not as bad as we first thought. I remember listening to Radio Manchester going home when they were talking about him being out injured for six to twelve months, which at the time felt like a a disaster. Whereas now it's a minor setback, and and although we. We played very well with the revised midfield this weekend. Just passed. It'd be better to have Spearing in there if we possibly could. Um, I, I just can't help feeling like uh, he is who he is, Spearing. So you, you can't really knock him for going in full throttle because that, that's his game, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Do we know exactly how long it is yet, Mark? Has there been actually any concrete news on that? No, nobody's said a, a number of weeks. I mean, I know for a fact he hasn't t- torn the uh, the ligament, which was the the initial fear that it was going to be a minimum six weeks. If he if he'd actually torn it, it's, it's a, I've been told it's a it's a strain rather than a tear. Um, and certainly, I saw him saw him Thursday, and he seemed to be moving quite well. There was there was no sort of sign of him limping or you know any, anything like that. But uh, they they've been bit a bit cloak and dagger, haven't they? The last. Seven fourteen days. I think a lot of it has been this uh, negotiation with the football league regarding uh, Prattley and and Karachan as well. So um, perhaps you know I'm seeing Parky at about quarter to ten tomorrow morning. Hopefully he might be able to give me a bit more uh, meat on the bones because I think people do like to know a, a, a kind of a countdown before you think you might see him again. But I, I I'm pretty positive we'll see him again. Um, you know, much sooner rather than later. Pleasing to it because I remember when he went off, it was kind of a doomsday scenario on the Twitter. And it's you know the two matches at home without you know without him, obviously we improved at Fleetwood. Were, it seemed quite apparent that the lack of energy and you know just Spearman's presence in the midfield really cost us. But Tom, 
you know, you also predicted we'd easily sweep aside Wimbledon, and that also proved not to be the case. Another one-one draw. Yeah. This time <clears> we had sixty percent possession. It was the other way around, but still, it was a kind of a carbon copy. We score early, uh, Gary Medina <clears> this time, and then the other team equalised, and we can't seem to um, yeah. get a winner. Like we had a lot more shots in this game at thirteen in total, with six being on target. So was it? From looking at the stats, was it a case of their keeper being very good or were we just not very good once again? Shea made three good saves. One in the first half from Wheater and then one from uh, Marais from the free kick in the second half and another one late on. Um, we played more football in the first ten minutes against Wimbledon than we did at all on Tuesday night. But as you said, Dan, yet again, you know, we took the lead, we went 1-0 up and then that was when we stopped. And at the start of the season, I remember thinking, you know, in some of the away games that I couldn't get tickets for, we'd go 1-0 up in a game and and in my mind it'd be right, that's it, the game, mm-hmm. the game's over. Still, and I don't... Yeah, the, the two games yeah. we've lost were exactly like, well, okay, we came from behind at Wimbledon, our, our first away victory in like over a year, and then Bristol Rovers was two early goals and from Vela and Spearing, and we held on despite them even scoring one goal themselves but it seemed, it's so weird this to kind of be like be reversed on us unable to hold the lead when we're at home now it's very uncharacteristic of, of what Parky's tried to do and that's why I was so glad um, at half time <clears throat> yet yesterday going in at 2-1 I, I was just obsessing with this thought in my mind for about for the, for the whole 15 minutes thinking we can't sit on this we can't sit on this again we can't think that one goal is going to be enough and then we, you know, we went out and got a a third goal within within minutes, um, but the, but the Wimbledon game again. We invited them into the game. Um, you were talking about Bowden, Chris, before for Bristol Rovers, but I want to know what what you what you all think of uh, Jake Reeves because I thought he was a, he was a special player, and I think if he can uh, maybe tighten up his final pass and his final delivery, he could be a very good footballer because he was running rings around us in the middle of the park. Was he the little lad or the lad with long hair? The, the little fella, number eight. Yeah, no, he was superb, wasn't he? Um, I, I was well impressed by their number nine. I mean, he spent a, a good portion of the game on his backside claiming for free kicks. Yeah. But he is an absolute monster, that fella. Yeah, Tom Elliott. Yeah, he's a pain in Yeah, he's really good. He but yeah, you're right. Re- I thought Reeves was superb, very, very much so. So it's good. I think a lot of these teams, and Bristol Rovers too, They've come in with a lot of plays, they've plucked out a non-league and they've, they've obviously got the hunger and the desire to improve themselves and they, they seem to play really well. They must think it's the absolute World Cup final for them playing at a fancy ground like ours. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it is an interesting thing because as we've been saying all season, we are like the small fish. Oh, no, sorry, opposite round. We are the big fish in this pond and teams are going to kind of want to show us up as you know it's happened quite a few times. Um, were we back to three-five-two in this game, uh, Mark? After kind of the experiment with Rabara against Bristol, and what what is your thoughts yeah. on this three at the back? And it's had mixed results. Obviously, it worked quite well uh, on Saturday, but it's I'm, I, I have my doubts personally, especially with experience. Um, I think I say it worked worked well Saturday. I think you've got to have the right person on the right-hand side of, of the three, haven't you? That's that's the key, really. And I, and I think Dorian Defeat, excellent on Saturday, and, and I think he played fairly well against Wimbledon as well, considering it was his, his first game in more than a year. In other words, he, he got beat for the goal. Um, Elliot climbed above him and, and, and could possibly point the finger at Anik for, for his movement on the line as well. But, um, no, I, I, I think 
it, it's there. In, I think it's being played more and more at this level. So I think if if you mm-hmm. think the other team's going to play three five two, Parky will match it up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think going back to one of the points you made before about Wabara, I think once he gets fit, yeah. I think naturally, and, and you've got Spearing to play in that sort of City midfield role, I think they will revert back to that 4-2-3-1 that they played earlier in the season. Okay. I, I, I think that'd be his, his preferred formation, but I think I think it's 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 just about getting there, isn't it? I mean, I, you know, the, the Wimbledon game, Shea, Shea was fantastic in goal, like you said, made those most fantastic saves. I ended up putting him in my uh, League One team of the year, actually, as a result of that, because I thought he was he was that good. Um, and I thought Frankham as well, the seven, his, his delivery from the right-hand side was, was, was magnificent and just a decent team. But it was just a nervous night. I just felt over the course of those two games, you just felt that the, the, the pressure was getting to everybody and evidently it was getting to the players as well but it kind of just translated from the from the stands onto the pitch and you know when 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 the macron gets like that it can be a difficult place to play i think in where you know every every back passes is groaned about or you know every, every missed place passes uh, is is highlighted and it just over the course of those <clears> two <throat> games that seems to be happening more and more and you you could sense this sort of a uh, palpable sort of nerves around the place yeah. um, I think for me with the feedback because I, I was at the Sheffield United game as you were as I can imagine and uh, as was Tom I think we played through the back there and Maurice who's obviously in everyone's good books after his performance yesterday and rightfully so yeah. I, I think it just depends with the through the back as how good the opposition is because Maurice just got overran and as did the whole defence we got dragged all over the pitch there was holes everywhere all the time we were getting so Exposed, especially um, Spearing. Was Spearing playing? Was it? No, Spearing was suspended for that game, of course. So he was lacking. Yeah, and so, <clears throat> I do think it might just be on the quality of the opposition. I've just looked at the table and I had no idea what Bristol Rovers are actually eighth, so fair play. And uh, Wimbledon are 13th, so they're not nowhere near as much as pushovers as I had assumed them to be. So, kind of, looking back now, the draws might not be that bad. But I feel like. Once obviously we don't need. I think we've played all the teams around us now. I think we we play Scunthorpe again right at the end of the season. So maybe Oxford we'll, as well. Is that right? <clears throat> so we don't actually have to play mm. that many of more high quality teams. But the South End and Millwall as well. Maybe the three five two will be all right uh, going forward. But after the Wimbledon game, controversy sparked. It's safe to say, isn't it, Christopher? Well, yeah, I mean... Can we explain it, it for those who have been on yeah. some sort of rock? Basically, Chris... No, no, I don't mind. You you go ahead. Go on. Chris got home after the game on Saturday, just distraught and annoyed and frustrated at uh, another pitiful performance. And he did his player ratings, and he weren't that bad. I think the highest was a six, which is above average. Most were fives, the odd four, and Tom Thorpe, who, if going off his performances I've seen this season... Rightfully got a zero, but that's not for me to say. And then afterwards, Josh Feller took to Twitter to tweet, and I quote, <laughs> once I get it up, if I've still uh, got the tweets saved on my phone, where the bloody hell are, here we go. Right, Chris Manning, <laughs> name, check, <laughs> name check. All the boys have had enough of your shit negativity and coming for us all the time. Come to the chain, come to the to the changing ground 
Monday and show us how good you are at football. All the lads are sick of you. Come and explain <coughs> it to the lads. We've had enough of you. So well, that, firstly, that firstly, mate, yeah, may I say, they obviously don't know they're dealing with the 1994 Northbury Junior League top goal scorer, wow. which is one thing. Um, secondly, you know, I, I've fully hold my hands up and, you know, after thinking about it quite considerably over a few days, because nobody likes to be spoken to like that, that maybe I need to change my approach. Maybe I uh, should maybe not post when emotive and high on San Miguel. But hey, um, in my defence, you know, it was... I, I like football. I love football. I love Bolton. I, I feel bad when we don't play well. Maybe I should keep it to myself. Um, but, you know, also, Josh Veller is one of the leading candidates for our Player of the Year yep. award. We, we, keep, we keep a running tally of who gets what. Um, average ratings are spread across the season by appearance. You know, we have behind-the-scenes spreadsheets and blah, blah, blah. And it would be a surprise if he wasn't given the highest average uh, mark over the course of the season. And it's only two weeks since I gave him an eight for his performance in uh, the home win against, who was it who Chris Long scored his goal against now? Can't remember. Can't recall, but I know what you mean. Can't. Yeah, well, you know, it, you know, it, it swings and roundabouts in terms of ratings. And ultimately, it is only one person's opinion. But if the boys feel like I've been a bit mean, Walsall then... Walsall, it was. Yeah, Walsall, that's right. So, yeah, I, I accept my inherent negativity. I can't help it the way I am. And the fact that the the, for, the blog gives us a forum to be um, loud about our, these opinions and my presence there is maybe a bit of a lightning rod for this sort of thing. But to the boys, I hope you don't feel like I'm being personal if I ever have a bit of a jib. It's my own frustrations coming out. Mm-hmm. Many, many times have I offered my myself up as a sacrificial lamb. <laughs> if you want to have a word with me, if you want to have a word with me, feel free. I'm not going to shy away. Obviously, coming to the changing ground on a Monday when I'm a working guy with a family to feed is not very uh, practical. Um, I am going to the Reebok on Tuesday. However, I can officially reveal to meet a couple of people um, and we'll maybe re- maybe report on that next week. Um, nothing to do with that. So the lads are, no, the lads are going to be in Gillingham, so it's nothing like that. Um, but yeah, I, I don't want to be anyone to be mad at us, Dan. I want to be loved, don't we all? Well, you know, uh, and again, not to sort of deflect deflect too much. There's a lot worse been uh, been written about them oh, after two performances elsewhere on the internet. Minus five billion before, and I've savaged people on the ratings, but I don't think I've got yeah. a name like you. I'm not. I'm not a recognisable name. Well, that's the thing. I, I don't want to be a name. I just, I just like writing about Bolton. Maybe, I, maybe I write about it a bit too uh, emotively. But that's why I come to people like Mark for level-headed opinions and level-headed player ratings. And then down the money road, Tom for player-approved player ratings. Tom, um, <laughs> <laughs> I thought your piece was was superb and and just goes to show the value of you know writing in haste and repenting in leisure. Well, it's, it, to be honest, I'm 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 caught in a bit of a catch twenty two because as you were, you know, starting to to explain yourself, I was thinking you you've got no need to be. You know, yeah, that's was, what we that this this is what we do. You know, footballers play matches when they play well. I'll 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 give them all the you know accolades they deserve. When they play badly, I'll have my opinion on it. I don't sit there when I'm writing an article and think of a particular player no. and think he's going to personally read this or he's going to get wind of this and, and respond. 
it's it's what I think. It's the ramblings of of a, of a semi drunk madman. And the, the thing is, it's it's one of those. You know, people say, "Oh, one person's entitled to their opinion, so's the player to respond." Absolutely. Josh Fell as well within his rights to respond. I don't know whether he's right to call people out by name, but he, that's maybe not for me to decide or discuss. But he's absolutely right to have his say. I think the wider picture is this idea of the 21st century footballer. And you've got this weird mixture of them being very cut off from society. Mm-hmm. You know, think, you know, a, a, a very good friend of mine saw a group of players out in Bolton on Saturday night. And then the same group of players were pictured in fannies on the early Sunday afternoon. So they've either not been to bed or they've had a very quick nap and been straight back on it. So they're very cut off from society, but at the same time, we're very close to them. You know, we know the movements. We've got people Snapchatting and texting and tweeting, putting on Instagram pictures with them where they are. So we tend to know where they are far more than we ever did. But in terms of society, they're far more cut off in terms of what they own when they go to these restaurants and bars. They're in an enclosed VIP area. And it's a strange paradox between between them knowing what we're saying about them and us knowing their whereabouts, but at the same time, they're, being, they're further away from fans than, than ever before. And mm-hmm. these these sort of things happen, especially at, at, at the lower leagues. I suppose my player-approved article was just to take the sting out of the situation and, and, and basically making a, a tongue-in-cheek comment about, you know, if it's a bad game, we're going to write about it. If you're brilliant, we'll tell you you were brilliant. But it's all about honesty, isn't it? That's, that's what we do it for. Like, I don't think any of us would feel, Mark included, right with ourselves if we just wrote someone played well when we feel like they didn't. Now, people can disagree and have different opinions. Some Someone might have watched the game against Wimbledon and thought Tom Fort played brilliantly. They'd be well within their rights if they wrote our ratings or did their own ratings or whatever they wrote to give them a good review or good praise or whatever. But you've got, I think, the key thing is when you're writing about anything it's just to be honest with yourself and be honest with who's reading it because otherwise what's the fuck's your word worth so, no it's true oh go on Chris it's very true no no I'm just going to say one final thing before we move on to something else in that we've never heard we've never heard you know we've never used the, we've got the system on the, the line of any website to post anonymously blah 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 and, and no one has ever taken that up at least not not in terms of how long I've been working on it Um and we stand out there for these opinions, and they are just opinions. Although, you know, I know I've I've taken the the thought process since then of maybe considering the end um, impact of what I've said. Although, whilst that's not diluting my opinion, because that's the point of a blog, isn't it? Is to get your opinion, your opinion out there. Is to maybe consider that end person maybe slightly more. However, um, it's not going to change the fact that opinions are as they are. I'm not going to sugarcoat something just because it might make somebody a bit sad and a bit upset to uh, to read it although i do feel like uh, credit is you know credit's going to be given where credit's due and and i think that ratings for example for this past weekend and the, the couple of weekends before the wimbledon game reflect that it goes up and it goes down and, and i might think about maybe publishing those uh, as we are at this minute in time average ratings for the player of the year trophy dan because they'll give an idea maybe that yeah, oh, maybe we shout a bit louder when things are not going quite so well. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're no we're no more negative than anybody else out there. It's just the fact we've perhaps got a, a slightly louder voice when it comes mm-hmm. to things. So, Mark, you're you're obviously the biggest name of Bolton reporting and whatnot, the most well known, and obviously you get quite a lot of tweets and comments on a 
daily basis, I'd imagine. What's your thoughts on, on like kind of how players are on Twitter and how they respond to this sort of stuff, and then just you know your opinion, doing putting opinions out there in general. I guess it's it's a weird old debate, and as Tom's right, I think the relationship between fans and players at the minute is a rather strange one. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you kind of alluded to it uh, in that it's different down in the lower leagues because I think uh, we've, we've sampled the, the high life where you can pick up any paper and, and you know, there's a, an opinion about Bolton Wanderers or there's a bit of news or, you know, different ratings across the papers. But no, now we're down here. It's basically the Bolton News and you guys, yeah, to be honest. And, you know, point. it's an online presence after a game. So... Unfortunately, we and I said this to Chris uh, via message and such like. And when you put those out after a game, it is very emotional, and people, you know, it, it's a it's a minefield. If Bolton have lost, I hate going on Twitter of, on a Saturday night. I, I hate it because I know that perfectly logical people are going to give me perfectly illogical answers to anything, and uh, you know, it, and 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 I usually try and sort of stay off it as best I can Sunday morning okay right okay what did you think about that and people give completely different answers and I think that's the same with the, the player ratings it's not my favourite part of the, the job I, I hate doing it if I'm honest um, partly because when I'm reporting the game I'm, I'm, I'm doing so many different things that actually kind of assessing individual yeah. people's performances is, 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 is difficult and certainly midweek I think you know, when I look at my ratings in the morning, I think, Jesus, why have I bothered with that? Because you know, it, it, it's not even, it's not even close to what I thought. Um, I always find like but, putting an objective kind of something so statistical as a number and something so subjective as it's hard, isn't it? Yeah, it's such a weird dilemma. And as I write about games and stuff a lot, the the fucking number review thing gets talked about so much. The way people fucking cry and moan about someone getting a eight instead of a nine, shit like that. It's, it's fucking bewildering at points. And it's not a new thing. Oh, no. It's not a new thing because, you know, Gordon Sharrock used to get it in the air back in the day from, you know, lads in the 70s, 80s, 90s. I've always had it. It's always been a, a, a bone of contention. The journalist, the thing is with me, of course, I have to go into the training ground a couple of days later and look these lads in the eye. If I've given them a four and they take take umbrage with it, they come and they come and talk to me. So I've, I was I've just going to say exactly the same thing, Mark. The, the worst that they can do to us is, is call us on Twitter. That, you know, we, don't, we don't have yeah. to go and face them you know, on the changing ground <laughs> on the Monday. Well, sometimes it's good. Sometimes, you know, I mean, you know, I'm sure Weeks won't mind me telling he's he's taking issue with, with, with bits from time to time. So, you know, what, were, you, were you pissed when you were watching that game? I, I should have had a seven and I'd give him a five or whatever. And... Um, you know, I, I'll just say, yeah, no, I was too busy, mate. I was too busy watching the game to, to bother what you were doing or whatever. Just, just you know, brush it off. They do take it seriously. They do because it's 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 their lives, you know. And they there's a lot of downtime, I'd imagine, being a footballer. So sometimes analysing that sort of stuff. And if you're the only media out there, as I said before, you know, there's a lot of your stuff out there and it, it circulates. And all of a sudden you turn on news now. And there's maybe only two or three people writing about Bolton Wanderers nowadays. Yeah. Whereas you used to get all these different different names out there and all these different like sort of <laughs> strands of information, and it would it'd be diluted, so it didn't matter quite as much. But now you you kind of it's so concentrated that what you are writing, you've got to take a bit, a bit of responsibility. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but you, you've got to know that it's going to have twice as much impact as it ever would have done. Mm-hmm. Um, so and and something as incendiary as player ratings. I, I must admit, I went to bed early that Saturday night 
woke up in the morning and my phone was just read out. I thought, oh God, what's happened here? And and sort of scrolled down and, and I like, giggled to myself because I knew the lads had, had obviously been moaning about you guys for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, a fair few of them. And uh, only a few. I think you had, you had a conversation with Neil Dans one yeah, time, didn't you? a couple of years ago. I remember being... You know what? It was, it was actually... It was it was two years to the exact day, Mark. <laughs> really? <laughs> Fancy that. Yeah. Well, Dan's so, Dan's one of the proactive ones. You know, he, 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 yeah. he, I think he came to you and had a conversation. I think it was it was done with. But it's you know, I, I don't think I don't think it need be the most serious thing. And I I told the lads this week just to well, ignore it. If you don't like it, ignore it. Sod it. It doesn't matter. It's not it's not affecting you in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. But nowadays, that the so the, the sort of the impacts of social media and your sort of how you're being portrayed, it, it's it. I don't know. It gets it gets in their heads. I'll yeah. tell you that it gets I, I, in their heads. I know I've googled my name or twittered my handle every now and then to see if anyone, because believe it or not, little I don't get it. Gets people tweeting <laughs> at me anonymously sometimes, calling me a dickhead or whatever. And you just that's just that Ben Morse. Ah, oh, he's a fucking cunt. You can do one. Anyway, what one thing I just want to just nip in to say there's a couple of things on that, um, Dan. Um, when Bella tweeted us, and again, not to flog that dead horse, he blocked us months ago. He blocked up. He blocked the, the yeah, website. Blocked, he blocked. I've never tweeted him. All in, all the individual writers months ago. So whilst I fully respect his right to reply, you know, tweeting an account that you blocked a long time ago is akin to. You know, the man sort of shaking your fist in an empty room sort of thing. So, uh, you know, he can engage with us and we're responsible for what we tweet at and, and post. I, I fully, oh, fully accept that. Open, yeah, um, correct. I'm, st- I'm sorry to break your heart, Chris, but he's not blocked me, so he must <laughs> like me. So you're, you're too anonymous like, on the Twitter. Everyone likes you. If he knew you, it might be different. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, we, you know, on, on the topic of Dan's, and, and he was one, and there is one other player as well, We've had we've had contact with them in the past where they've asked us to to rank them higher, you know, to mark them higher. Because so so Mark's comment about how they, they they perceive and how they receive the the ratings is is very true in the fact that you know if I'm doing well at work, I want to get a pat on the back. It's no different for these boys. They're, still, they're, they're human beings at the end of the day, and and although we're only fans, um, one final point is we had someone in the press box the other week for one for line of year, and the first time the club have ever said yes to us. And I don't know how that was perceived internally, but we had our lad who attended had people from the national press supposedly there who, who were aware of our presence, which is a from what we think is a puny little fans blog is is pretty mind blowing to be honest. I mean, Mark, um, you know, as a wider topic, that there's a few Bolton blogs knocking about. How do you yeah. think that the voice of the fans is perceived amongst the squad? Is it? Is it listened to with any sort of seriousness? Is it viewed as a, as a bit of fun, or, or you know, how, how how is it viewed amongst you know even from Parkinson and so on? Well, I know Parky. I mean, he's he's an old school. He's, he's he's older than I am even, and and I, I struggle to get my head round kind of the uh, the online stuff at times. I think he he tends to leave, get keep completely out of it. Um, but the lads are all young. They're all computer literate they're all you know instagram twitter uh, you know social media up and uh you know they, they they read it they read it they read every single word out there I, you know it's just I, I don't know what the psychology the the normal psychology of a footballer is but i think in general from all the footballers i've known is, is they they can be quite fragile and you know the, especially the younger ones um and they, you know, got a network of friends that are all googling the names as well. And and I know one of the lads 
said to me this Thursday, he said, I, I don't have any problem with people, you know, giving me a four or a five or anything like that. He said, but when, when you get home and your mum's telling me that somebody's slagging you off on the internet, he says, it can be quite tough. <laughs> and I get, I understand yeah. that because that, that actually happens to me a lot. I, you know, I'll, I'll go into Starbucks and sit down and have a coffee. Somebody will tap me on the shoulder and said, you know, have you seen that, that lad slagging you off on Twitter yesterday? And I'm like, well, no, of course I haven't. I don't, I don't give anybody, I'm probably blocked or, you know, I don't give people time of day if they, uh, if they, they, you know, unduly negative. Um, but these lads kind of live that world and, you know, they, 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 their entire day just revolves around going in and doing a bit of football and then coming home and thinking about it, you know, thinking about the game, thinking about how they're perceived, thinking about everything else. There's a lot of time to fill. So I can imagine that if they feel people are being negative or if they feel that there's a source of that coming, or coming from a particular source, that they can, you know, I can give them a bit of a problem. Um, it certainly has done. I think you can tell from from Josh, Josh's reaction there. But um, I think the managers let them know, and that's as a squad, not just as Josh. I think he's had a, a sit down and he's he's talked to everybody and said, "Listen, you know, you're just going to have to eliminate all this and and and, and keep it out of your minds because it's going to do you no good going forward for the for the last." dozen games of the season I, I think the reaction Saturday was fantastic yeah definitely totally yeah totally agree well, totally agree so legit sorry Chris what are you saying sorry. no no no, no. I, I'm just going to flog a dead horse, dead horse. it's a you know it's all, all legitimate everyone everyone this, this day and age is entitled there's, there's more mediums in which to, to put your opinion across yeah. and, and and like you said before nobody sets out with the distinct uh, intention yeah, of causing any, any sort of personal harm or anything like that but I felt it this week when my phone blew up last Saturday night. I'm not going to tell a lie. I, I was up till sort of two or three o'clock in the morning. I felt absolutely shocking about myself in that, that uh, someone that I, I respect and admire in that Josh Feller thought that I was a dickhead. You know, I'm, I'm sure lots of people think that I'm a dickhead and I like to think that deep down I'm not a dickhead. Maybe, I, maybe I'm wrong. I don't think I am. Um, but perhaps I need to, to work a bit harder at changing that perception and maybe be a bit less emotive in my writing, but... You know, time will tell. Yeah, I was just, just going to say before moving on quickly, that we are all Bolton fans, we all want Bolton to do well. We don't want anyone to feel shit about what we write or being negative, but... Oh, just care, just care, honest. Dan, maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe just much. care a bit too much. Well, Absolutely agree. And sometimes we've got to be funny, because that's what we are, that's what we do, that's our identity, and that's what's got us, you know, made us so, so much bigger in the last few years or so, and that's what we've got to do. But on to positive yeah. things... As Mark just said, the reaction after the two disappointing draws was brilliant because we only went to away to Fleetwood Town, second place in the league, not lost since November, went into their own backyard and bloody smashed them 4-2. How fucking good was that, Mark? <laughs> it was brilliant, wasn't it? It was uh, It was like being transported back in time, knocking around the, uh, the the stadium before the game because there were just, just droves of Bolton just walking around. No, you couldn't see the ground at all as you were walking around the place. And, and just, you know, you've you seen fans you've not seen for absolutely ages that had turned up. There's only 1,300 there, but I must have bumped into every single one of them before the game. It was fantastic. It was, uh, it was such a good atmosphere. And I, you just felt... After that first sort of fifteen minutes or so, the Fleetwood had a, had a couple of chances. Taylor made that fantastic uh, challenge, and then play switch for for, for Alfie to score the first goal. Just felt that they were in from there. In I just felt this is this is Bolton's day now, and 
just from 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 there on in, fantastic performance. I mean, Moraes, you know, I, I I very nearly gave him more than a nine. I was I was on an hour in, and I have to say, talking about your player ratings, that's as good a, a good an individual performance I think as there has been this season. Um, from a Bolton player, um, but the, everything from the from the atmosphere to the kind of the, the way the the, the the lads dug in, the the surprises we saw on the uh, the, the lineups as well, which um, you know was was uh, gave it an extra kind of twist as well. Um, it was just a fantastic day, and it just a nice reminder of how it's how it feels to be a, a Bolton fan or a, or a bloke who's paid to cover him. One hundred percent, mate. Chris, as someone who often bemoans and degrades assists, you can't argue with Philip Moraes getting free, can you? Surely. No, I'm, I'm, my only problem with assist is that when you you use it to solely judge a player in that, you know, for example, um, Fabregas always gets loads of credit for being a, you know the king of assists, where I, I would class, for example, calling on, on Saturday's game, yeah, Moraes arguably set up two goals. Now, there's a bit of confusion on my part or a bit of uncertainty perhaps as to how you know if he how to describe it properly it, this is the way it makes sense in my brain Dan is that if if he was to put a piece of paper in his pocket before he up that free kick and put David Weed to Mark Beaver's back post then yeah fine that's that's a, a, you know what you might call an assist in my book um, the difference being you know a punted corner into the middle for example that someone nods in brilliantly in the finest little postage stamp corner of the net all the credit should go to the person with the header or the person with the finish, I, not I the person who, not the person who punts the ball in the cro- in the in the box. You know, a, a lovely weighted through ball, for example. Maurice's header, Maurice's cross, sorry, for Alfie's second goal. That's that is an assist, no no doubt about it. That's a perfect cross, <coughs> exactly where he wanted it to go, and the striker executed it perfectly. So no problem with that whatsoever. Um, but on the topic of Maurice, what an absolute signing he's been. I'm, I'm so impressed with the guy. Um, I've not seen him put barely put a foot wrong. I know you saw him at Sheffield. I yeah, didn't. I was say, I'm so disappointed that I've only managed to be able to see him at Sheffield, which he looked. <clears> obviously, that was my only exposure to him. I thought a wing back. He just looked clearly a winger, not a wing back. He was constantly getting dragged all over the place. If he was upfield, he'd get yeah. caught out um, at the back. If he was at the back, he'd get caught out up front. There was just and you know every player wasn't good on that day because Sheffield United completely outplayed us. We well, lost all the mind games, everything. But it's great to see that yeah. this is. Fair Definitely, and given it, given the way he's performed so far, um, I've been really, really impressed. And I just want to just, just maybe just roll it back slightly to what Mark said earlier on about a potential change of formation to accommodate Wabara. Are you presuming that Maurice Mark would become part of that forward three behind the centre forward? Yeah, I, I think so. I think um, either side, I suppose, he okay. could play off. But uh, I, I do, I do think. They brought Wabara in to play against certain opponents when when he has yeah. to match up with a four rather than the three. But uh, he's much more uh, of a wing back, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. And I, but I mean, when when he came in, and I think when he came in, I, w- I was on with you guys, and he said, you know, describe him to us. And the only information I had at that point in time was that somebody who I knew from um, Oldham had, had described him as a fancy Dan, and I thought, oh. Right. Okay. Uh, I'm not too sure what you know what what he's necessarily going to bring. Is he going to be you know out and out winger? Do, do do we need an out and out winger right at this moment in time? Not too sure. But I think he's been anything but. I think his work rate's been fantastic. Not always positionally, and Sheffield United was a good point. Not always positionally, uh, you know, correct for the wing back position. But he's uh, he's he's not a lack for effort, and he's 
you know, the consistency of his delivery. You know, being able to get right in deep and cross from the byline—it's it's, it's a rare old uh, rare old thing nowadays. You don't see too many traditional wingers that are willing to go and run that far in and then get get a ball in. Mm-hmm. And and I think Adam Lafondre is really going to profit from it if he if he continues in that vein. I can't remember a good crosser that we've had since Marais. Like maybe Matty Taylor, maybe he had a good crosser. Him, I can't quite remember. But Marais's delivery has consistently been great from what I've seen. Tom, agree. Okay. Big is Lafondra getting off the mark. Even if it was a lucky goal, he insists he meant it. But how <laughs> big is it that? If I remember correctly, his first goal in his last one spell was kind of lucky. It was against Fulham when their goalkeeper had come up to kind of score a late equaliser, and he chested it from just beyond the halfway line and battered it in. So it's kind of it seems like his hopefully long goal scoring streak has come from kind of a, a fortunate situation again. But how how important is it that he's got a couple of goals under his belt? I think it's important for him because he's just he's desperate to do well. You can tell in the way that he's trying to play that he's he's desperate to do well for us. I think he's him personally. Maybe I think you go to to two clubs and and maybe you don't get the time or you don't get the, the you don't put put the ball in the back of the net. Basically, I think there must have been times where he starts maybe to question himself and think, is it me rather than you know the club where where I'm at and. I think the fans have been great with him because they've given him a brilliant reception coming back. He's taken his time to adjust. I still uh, I still think we need to tweak our style of play to suit him. But I think for him, you know, mentally to get the monkey off his back, just like you said. I mean usually usually use the phrase we don't care how it goes in, but it's not um it's not usually a twenty yard yeah. top top corner effort for the byline. It wouldn't day at the football league, if not the whole day on Sky. Rightly so. Rightly so. I mean, we're, the thing is, we've got to appreciate we're not the same team as we were last time. No. We don't have the chung, chungy Mark That's Davies. Exactly. We're not, you know, we're not the same team. We're a lot, yeah, we're a lot more agricultural because that's that's the way we needed to play. Um, but the fact that we can do both seemingly is really positive, at least in my book. Or at least we can start to do both, maybe. Mm-hmm. Big surprise on Saturday was around 2 o'clock when the team sheet was announced that Darren Prattley, who was supposedly injured for the entirety of the season, was apparently off our squad list, started the game as captain, and Chris, it seems like he made quite the impact on his return. Yeah, I mean, um, Prattley's relationship with the Bolton fans has been tempestuous, hasn't it, to say the least. I know Mark's a fan, Um you know, uh, in in the sort of fan club of, of maybe three or four, mm-hmm. which it is what it is. But you can't argue with the impact he made. Everybody universally came away from the game to say how well he played, which to find consensus amongst Bolton fans is a difficult thing at the best of times. Um, but all credit to him to come out, uh, to come back, sorry, from that amount of time out and, and be so um, universally agreed upon as being superb is a, is a really difficult thing. And it's all credit to the guy. I saw one lad tweet the fact that Prattley probably ran home after the game and I saw Mark's piece as well to suggest that he didn't even want to come off after 80 minutes. Whether that means he'll be able to start again on, on Tuesday is another matter, but uh, you know, given the, the midfield woes that we've had with injuries and, and form on occasion, it's really positive to find that someone with a, a good pedigree like Prattley, someone that we propose would be such a good influence in this, this season and, and seasons before, could be coming back at a really vital time. Is is really good for the squad, especially with um, Spearing's injury. Yeah, I mean, like 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 Mark said before, nobody we don't truly know how long Spearing's going to be out for. So we need bodies, we need numbers, and 
I'd rather call upon someone that we know, and, and not to sort of denigrate Karachan at all, because I don't really know much about him, but I'd rather call upon Prattley than someone that doesn't know the club, doesn't know the team. Prattley's had the whole, the whole year to sort of judge and analyse this division as well. Um, I think it could be a real boost, and, and hopefully he, he keeps up the high standard he's set this season, because I remember the start of the season against Sheffield United, he was fantastic for however long it was, 40 minutes before he got injured. Uh, I just thought maybe his, his time's come with us. Um, he's been here long enough and he's earned enough out of us that the positivity he gained out of Saturday, you know, long may it continue. And, and I think it will. Um, that sort of boost, I bet he was on cloud nine coming out of that game. You know, the influence that he had, the, the way that he played, the way that he was received. Uh, you know, he's probably not been received like that by Bolton fans for, for many, many moons. Mm-hmm. And for him to come out with the blue and play like that, after again, after so many... Months and weeks out injured is a, is a credit to the guy. So it's so a well done, Pratt. I'm impressed. Her absence makes the heart grow fonder, eh? Uh, yeah, give, give it some 15 minutes in on Tuesday. Oh, yeah. Goddamn Prattley. Prattley again. Never changed. What did you think of his performance, Mark? I, I thought he was great, yeah. I mean, I, I think it took him a little time to sort of get to the rhythm of the game, but I thought he got better as the game went on. And, and the original plan had been to play, play him for an hour, as Parky said, and, and he gave him a shout, according to the manager, and, and Bradley shook his head, said, I'm fine, carry on, <clears throat> and, and, and went another 20 minutes. They had to dra- drag him off after 80 minutes. Um, you know, I, I am unashamedly a, a fan of Bradley. I think he gets too much stick and, and you know, I, I know people use the wages and and all that sort of stuff to to beat him with. I, I don't buy into that at all. But I, I think in this division, he should be you know a, a dominant force. And if if he can continue to get fit, we've got all these players that haven't had these games, haven't been playing these games, can now come into peak fitness at the end of a season. That could be a very big thing for Bolton, um, particularly with Prattley, whose game's all about energy, all about getting from box to box. The very, very few midfielders like him um, are certainly you know, available to, to Bolton Wanderers. You, you look at Derek and, and Thorpe, for example, if you're going to you know, play without spearing, they're both very different players. They, have, they don't cover as much ground. They're not, you know, not as influential. Um, don't... They're not really Phil Parkinson type of midfields, if you know what I mean. They're, they're more static. They're, they're happy with the ball at the feet. Prattley, he's good in the air. He's physical. He goes box to box. And if they can get him fit, and and and, he, and he's also you know back, not so much at Bolton, but he has got an eye for goal. He can score goals. Um, if they can get that out of him, I mean, he, he'd be you know such an asset towards the end of this season. Um, and I'm glad for him on a personal level because he's a good bloke and he, he deserves. A decent shot. I mean, you know, everybody else has been given a second chance because of injury. He hasn't managed to to get that grace um, from from the fans, but I, I hope he gets it now. Mm, it certainly seems like he may well do. Another surprise on the team sheet was, well, the signing of Jem Karakan, apparently on loan, even though he got doesn't have a club. It's kind of weird. Um, what is the situation with Karakan, Mark? Quickly, like mm. it's apparently a month loan, even though there's no loan window and he hasn't got a club. What what's going on there? Well, I mean, it was very cloak and dagger last week. I mean, just going slightly back to Prattley, you know, I, I said to, to Pratt on Thursday, where are you at? Now he's more under 23 games. Um, and I said, right, OK, fair enough. So we kind of discounted the conversation and it was evident there were going to be some surprises on the... They wanted to rush out. That was 
kind of in their stance on everything and you, you you tend to wonder that their kind of emergent so their, their need to get this thing out was 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 linked with the fact that Bolton were going to give get permission to up Prattley in the quota <clears throat> excuse me and um and to sign Karachan uh, because I think there'll be a number of clubs that are looking at that situation and asking questions of the football league now and saying why why are Bolton Wanderers allowed to do that when you know you've said all season they're only tied to 23 players I think there's a little bit of explaining rather that needs to be done from the Bolton end as well to say exactly where they're at with that embargo but um, it was very cloak and dagger they kept it a secret and and swore me to secrecy until 2pm on on the day at which time I couldn't even find any Wi-Fi to tell anybody even if I wanted to Mm. Um, and uh, and there we go yeah I mean you know Karachan's another very energetic box-to-box player he's, he's coming I was speaking to to LaFondra after the game LaFondra recommended him knew him from Reading yeah. says he you know he says top top quality um, and he, he thinks he can really make a difference as well so you know if, if Prattley needs to step back a little bit Karachan is mm-hmm. a, a similar vein player Karachan is an interesting player he's one that I knew like I kind of noticed at Reading he's um, a player who I've said this quite before on the pod he's one who I always kind of imagined at Bolton but never thought we'd sign and then we've signed him as you know, the stars align it's a weird one because he, he got a couple of really bad injuries like ligament nine month injuries at Reading he was captain when he got him and he kind of just ruined his spell there a little bit he left was at Galatasaray and mm-hmm. isn't fondly uh, remembered there but he's come here and well I I spoke to the guys at the Reading sorry Dan the oh, Reading sort of sister, sister blog to ours and their opinion was that he was a, he was a good player, but the fact that the Galatasaray manager that signed him got sacked about three weeks after he joined, so yeah. he wasn't really given much of a choice. Um, they thought he was quite an old-fashioned sort of hassle, disruptive, uh, and quite high energy as well. Which you know, given what Mark said about Prattley, is quite encouraging that we might be able to out outrun, if not outfight, opposition midfield from time to time. Mm-hmm. What do you reckon to the signing, Tom? I've not, I'm, to be honest. He was a name on the team sheet when we were in the championship and, and beyond that I know very little and obviously I wasn't at the game on on Saturday so my only concern is the uh, the, the, the possibility of retrospective action from the Football League if we've deregistered Prattley and that's us at a 23 player maximum and then all of a sudden he's back in, Karashan comes in. I mean as, uh, unless Jay Spearing's been deregistered for the rest of the season or I don't know. I mean, mm. you'd, you'd you'd like to think that maybe the club has, has sorted it before making the signing. I'd, I'd I'd give them the club the benefit of the doubt that they've not been stupid enough to to register two players and then wait for consequences. Um, but it's it, it's all a bit strange at the minute. I mean, it, listen, if if they make the difference to our season and we end up going up be it in second place or through the playoffs then then fantastic it's 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 changed our season it's turned it around when we needed it but my, my only concern until we won the game before the game my concern was that we were going to get in trouble for it and now the dust has settled after a brilliant performance that's what I'm thinking I'm I'm, I'm starting to worry that we might get some uh, at the very least a slap wrist from the football league for this well, that, that was what I was hoping to ask Mark about tonight. Yeah. Is, is sure we wouldn't have been able to stick him on the bench without some sort of ratification from the league. I, I'm, I'm absolutely positive that Ken Anderson will have got some ratification from the football yeah, league. Yeah, he's not. Point, absolutely. Otherwise, the point you made about there, all sorts. 
I mean, because the because the embargo has been such a grey area, um, and deliberately so, um, you know, the negotiations have been, you know, to and fro all the time, and we barely left the squad alone, uh, even in between the transfer windows. You know, Ken Anderson's been quoted as saying 25-man quota, 24-man quota, 23-man quota. Football League came out with a statement, said it's definitely 23 um, we've had players in, out, shake it all about. You know, Lewis Buxton's out for the season, then he's coming back, and then he's out for the season again. Jay Spearing, we still don't know how long he's going to be. Um, you know, I think it's being left deliberately vague. Uh, but I th- my concern is um, that you have people like like Jim Rodwell, at, for example, at Scunthorpe, who's on the board of the Football League. Um, you know, if you're high up in the Scunthorpe hierarchy at the moment and the way things are going for them at the moment and then you look at the results on Saturday and the team sheet at Bolton you think well you know what's he made of that um, likewise for, for the people at Sheffield United who I, I had conversations with a, a few people at Sheffield United who were effectively asking how the hell have you got away with this <laughs> so it, it's a big gamble for Bolton and, and I'm sure it's being done with the permission of the football league, but there are going to be questions asked, mm-hmm. and and I'm, I'm sure you know Ken Anson's got thick enough skin to to handle any of that, and he will see it if it's a gamble and it ends up in promotion, it'll be well well worth it. I'm very sure of it. I believe that the football league board have kind of like denied us the like kind of the opportunity to sign up a young lad to the squad. Jeff King is it? Yeah, because this that's right, just yeah. came to my attention when Manning was talking about him the other day, and I was thought he was having a joke like. Jeff King joking or something along those lines. I was far I was being led on. Who is Jeff King, Mark? And like, why do we want him in the first team so badly? Well, he's is a, a young lad. Plays kind of number ten role. Can play on the left hand side. Um, signed him from non league. I think they they actually got him from Droyles, but he played at Altrincham and a couple of other um, non league clubs. Um, he's he's one of these lads that, along with. Hugo Tanner and Sam Lavelle that have been signed up mid-season yeah. um, and, and been told the Football League said you're not allowed to play these guys in the first team uh, you play them in the 23s but until they're out of embargo you cannot put them in the first team um, Lavelle by the way would have played in the first team had he, he not been under this because he, he genuinely is the real deal I know they, they re- really rate him highly um, but in the last few weeks Phil Parkinson's kind of let on that that this young lad, Jeff King, has been playing out of his skin. He's genuinely ready to come in and play first-team football. So they asked the question to see if they could get him on the bench and uh, and the Football League have, have said no after a vote. Now, Ken Anderson unprompted last week, sorry, uh, sorry two week, uh, week last Saturday, week on Saturday, rather, um, came out and said, you know, may- maybe there are people with a vested interest mm. on the board of the Football League. And that's what kind of sparked this statement coming out from the Football League and, and clarifying the, the, the rules and the regulations. Um, so I think, you know, a few trees have been shaken there with with the request from Jeff King. Hopefully, you know, he's he's uh, he's, he's he's done everything he needs to do to, to, to register the right players. I think we need to know now, from, from Bolton Wanderers' point of view, where they're at, who can play, who can't play, who's... Mm effectively jettisoned and, and who isn't yeah. uh, but because it's 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 a little bit difficult not knowing and, and trying to you know all this guesswork it, it seems pointless now because nobody else is going to come in yeah the football league must be sick at sight of us because 
<laughs> yes. every week, isn't it? I mean, it's weird. I mean, I've, never heard, I've never heard of this Jeff King, like I said, until like two days ago. But it sounds like it sounds like an interesting proposition, and I've, I have heard of Lavelle, and hopefully, <clears> if not this season, we have two young players for next season, wherever we may be. Before we move on from Fleetwood, is there any other players you want to give shout-outs to, Mark? Is there any other performances or just observations you want to talk about? Uh, well, I think from from uh, from Saturday, I was I was really pleased uh, for Andy Taylor. Um, he's he's for me been as consistent a player in that first team as there's, there's been all season. He's consistently seven out of ten for me. He's he's uh, he had a little bit of a dip after his injury, and and you just thought maybe he's just feeling his way back again. But I thought he was he was great again on on Saturday, and 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 his that challenge. Um, I think it was on ball on the edge of the box. He was just about to wind up shoot, just stuck his leg out, just diverted the ball away. Um, and that's what set the counter-attack away. It's just incredible how that game turned on that one moment. Yeah. Instantly, they were down the other end of the pitch. That goal goes in. The place is a completely different uh, different matter. But no, I, I don't think he gets enough credit on Taylor at all, really. So I, 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 would, uh, I would give him a pat on the back because he won't get many headlines. Well, you're a big fan of Taylor, aren't you, Tom? I think left back's been a problem position for a while, and he's just come in and just been just so solid. I mean, the the best bit about it as well is that the Wigan fans were laughing at us when yeah, we yeah. signed him, and I, and I thought, here we go, we're going to get uh, you know a, a, a Wigan reject, and he's he's come in, he's been brilliant. He's got a bit of Paul Robinson about him, you know, the way he goes to the to the touchline at, at full time or before the game, geez, the fans up, gets his fist pumping. He's got a bit of the Paul Robinsons about him, and and uh, any any defender that's got a bit of that is is good in my book. Mm-hmm. I'm can I talking about him later? What are you going to say? Can I throw Dorian Devite in for a bit of praise from yesterday? Sure no, I just want to see what I just want to see what um, well, Mark, you were there. What what you thought? Because it sounds by all accounts as if he had a good game. Yeah, he's he's very good. As, as I say, in this in this three at the back, um, you need somebody who can. Play on that side, and 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 he's, Dorian has played as a right back earlier in his career, and he looks comfortable. Um, obviously, he's still feeling his way back, fitness wise. But uh, I thought his positioning was great Saturday. Um, you know, he, he made a couple of good blocks. He's he's still good in the air, obviously, um, and he's trimmed down a lot as well. I, I think you know, fitness wise, um, there were there were some concerns. I think earlier in the in the year that he'd been out for so long that. He, he wouldn't have made it back even if he tried. He'd had a bit of a knee problem, obviously out of favour, um, and it can be a long road back for players, but I, he looks to me to be fighting fit again, and, uh, you know, it could be one of those that we might have just written off a bit too soon. Mark, definitely, Mark, is, um, judging from Ken's article, his last one, on his programme notes before the last home game, you mentioned about the possibility the club were looking into signing somebody else on loan. Do you know who that was? I think that was the Karachan. Ah, okay. Yeah, okay. I think it, it's all in the it's all in the the phraseology. The the football league rules say that if you can prove that you've got fewer than eighteen players to play on a match day, that you can take out a one month loan. It's, ah, a, that, that, it's, yeah, it's a rule that's so obscure that Phil Parkinson didn't yeah. even know it last week. Hence the description then. There we go. Weird, weird, weird. Interesting. Fair enough, fair enough. After Saturday's game, we're still sitting third, but we are one point off Fleetwood. Uh, One game in hand against some teams, two against others, depending on where the fixtures are. Are we going to get automatics, Chris? 
Well, I hope so, because playoff final day is on my daughter's birthday, and I just spent 150 quid yesterday on our hiring a party venue for her, so fingers crossed it's not. <laughs> I think the momentum that we gained from today, obviously we're, you know, we're a club that thrives on form, and we thrive on, uh, on runs and routine, etc. So if we can win Tuesday, win Saturday, you know, maybe even win both comfortably, I'd be, I'd be really happy. Obviously, Gillingham are going to go in there on a huge high after their win against Scunthorpe with the three penalties. But I think we, we should take heart from the, the form and the display and the, the character that we showed against Fleetwood, given the fact that 99% of people, myself included, thought that we would maybe get a point at best. And, and ultimately, we, we could have come out with an even more handsome victory than we did. So it's interesting to know that we can go into these next couple of games and we've still got a game in hand and make a big impact upon the teams above us. So, as far as I'm concerned, automatic promotion is still in our in our hands, mm-hmm. um, and for my own selfish reasons, I hope we go and take it. Yeah. It'd be nice to it'd be nice to do it, given the amount of whinging that Bradford fans have done. And I even noticed that, Mark. Have you ever heard of someone called Silver Bantam on Twitter? Uh, I think he's on my block list, mate. <laughs> yeah, very good decision. An absolute clown. I mean, allegedly an alter ego of the very famous Gaza Crompton, famous for the wrong reasons. But the Brad- Bradford fans are so unbelievably salty. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's one thing seeing your ex go off with somebody better looking and and continue to get better and yet still gripe about it. But they're a special breed, aren't they? Um, Tom, to, to sort of diversify a little bit, Bradford fans, I think you might have something to say. I just, <clears throat> I, I'm, I'm starting to, maybe gather a theory as to why they behave in the way they do I mean let's let's give them let's give them some credit they play some good football um, I mean further to the credit is they've lost less games than anybody else in the league and that includes Sheffield United mm-hmm. doesn't take doesn't take into account that they've drawn 17 of the games they've played but it's a big, it's a big city as well. They've got a big population, and I think they're maybe getting used to being one of the the bigger clubs. And then a team like us comes down with probably a smaller fan base, a more successful history, a slightly, I would say, more chance of going up, and they're spending almost the entire season convincing not only us but themselves that the that everything about Bradford Football Club is is better than Bolton and. It's a bit of a strange one, you know. The, the 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 Twitter arguments between between Bolton and any other set of fans is uh, it always boils down to oh yeah, well how much are you paying Weeter every week? How much are you paying Vela every week? How much are you paying Trotter every week? So, what what has that got to do with the price of the fish? What's that got to do with the fact that we've got you know eleven games left to play, and if we win more than you, Bradford, we'll, we'll be in the championship. What has that got to do with? what we're paying Josh Vela every week. It's, I think that they're a big fish in League One, and I think they look at Bolton as something of a threat to their status as uh, the best supported or the, the biggest the biggest side. Especially if we swooped but, in with no money and stole the manager away. Yeah, well, that's the added spice as well, isn't it? The fact that we've taken the manager, there's rumours of us um, taking the club captain next season. So, especially, I mean, if we were to go up and they weren't, You've got to question the decision to let Philippe Moraes go. You've got to question mm. that decision. Yeah, it's so weird how we got him on a free and he's been one of our bright sparks in the last few weeks. So somebody was somebody was whinging about that online earlier on tonight, suggesting that you know, oh well, you've had him for his one good appearance. I think I responded saying, well, what about the week before that, and the week before that, and the week before that? Sometimes players, you know, fit a manager rather than fit in a club. Mm. 
Um, and I think Moraes is definitely definitely that. Uh, as an aside, how weird is? Have you heard him speak, Dan? No, no. Oh, isn't he got oh, a, bit of a Bradford accent? Oh, oh no, he's got a pro- he's got a proper like Cockney accent. It's oh, weird, so given the fact that yeah, because yeah, he, he, he he grew up in London. He played for Chelsea. He's, as you might you know, as you might imagine, there's no hint of bloody Portuguese about that fella. It, it's very strange oh, listening to him speak. I remember when I first heard Paul Robinson speak and was astounded that he was a Cockney and not like a Brummie or something. On the subject of Paul Robinson, can I just bring that point it's back? That, uh, Tom, so much? Because, because, I don't know, I think Tom might have had a drink tonight. To, to invoke Paul Robinson as a positive memory in terms of Bolton Wanderers left-backs, I, I would... Oh, give over. give I would over. take I would take incredible umbrage at that. Oh, give over. He assisted the assist at Birmingham when we got into the <laughs> quarter-final. I think I saw an Arsenal fan talk about pre-assists on Twitter once, and I think I blocked him straight away. So don't start with that one. Oh no! When it comes when it comes to fifty fifties, there is nobody you want at the Bolton end of that fifty fifty other than Paul Robinson. He was lethal in the tackle. He was brilliant. What were you going to say? We kind of got lost. Um, I, I, to be honest, you two both saying that you thought he was brilliant it says more than I could possibly say by saying I thought he was crap. Well, there you go. <laughs> Oh, but yeah. Uh, Mark, do you think we're going to get automatics with our current predicament? Um, it's, I think they've still got a bit to prove, particularly away from home. When you look at the, the, Gillingham's going to be a tough one, but mm. Oldham and uh, sorry, Oldham, um, Oxford rather, and, and Southend United are the games yeah. that I look and, and think if they if they go and get a result there, then yes, it's, it's definitely a possibility. But um, the it's going to be the away form that's got to be maintained now. Try and pick up points away from home. Um, I think they'll be okay at home. I don't think there's anybody coming to the Macron now that's, you know, the, the overly, overly threatening. Obviously, you've still got to win those games, as as we said earlier, with the Wimbledon and Bristol Rovers ones. But I, I think um, the squad should be strong enough now, I think, even with Jay Spearing out. Hopefully, he gets back involved. Um and with players coming into this fitness, I, I do think they'll finish finish strongly. Um, see how maybe Saturday's defeat affects Fleetwood, whether they start dropping points now. Scunthorpe, I, I fully anticipate them getting something back. I don't think they'll finish automatic. So I think, you know, I, I think you're probably looking whether or not Fleetwood can recover in time. And, and that's the one to aim at, really, for, for Bolton. Um, below that, Millwall are coming into a bit of form. Yeah, uh, they've got a decent squad as well. You know, maybe there's always one that comes up on the rails that that worries me. You see, and and, and Millwall seem to be that team at the minute. Mm-hmm. Tom, what do you think? Are you going to get automatics or is the playoffs our destiny? I think it's even more open than Mark's suggesting. I mean, looking at the league table, I'm going as far down as Oxford in tenth as teams that can can challenge. I mean, at the minute we're talking. Oxford with a game in hand, 12 points off Fleetwood. It's it's all about the team that can put a run together and you've got 10, 11 games left. If you put six wins in a row on the board, that's you. That's 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 you in the championship. Um, our away form's the worry. We're, we're playing two or three decent sides, not, you know, we've got Sheffield United out of the way, but <laughs> away, at, away at Scunthorpe and away at Oxford is, is where it's going to be, I think, decided for us. Um, whether we'll be playing, well, sorry, whether we'll be in the in the top two or whether we'll have to do it in the playoffs, I've I've got a sneaky suspicion that it'll be a Bolton Bradford playoff final. Oh, that'd be dead. Oh, that would be horrible because we'd fucking no. Kill it. I don't want. No, it. we'd 
It'd be absolutely brilliant, and we'd win. I don't want. That FYI, I will be quitting Twitter that week. I will. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, to see off the show, Chris, you asked a question on the Twitters. Do you want to give us them answers? Yeah. Um, so we asked went the question earlier on today as to who would be thus far the Bolt Wanderers player of the season uh, for the, the lovely supporters that we have. Um, a mixed bag, although only. Only you know semi mixed, I guess, in in the greatest respect to the people that responded. Um, I was moderately surprised in that the the most popular vote came for David Wheater, um, which I guess, given his achievements at weekend, um, makes a little bit more sense. Can I say I think that's um, a little bit because he scored a couple of goals recently? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, fair, fair enough. He, he, yep, I, I I totally agree, Dan. And uh, but you know, he, he can he can only do his best, can he? And, and he's done he's done he's done he's done. Pretty well, given the fact that you know he's been with us from the Premiership all the way down to Division Three. Um, it's about time we were due a bit of good form. Um, so David Weeds was the predominant winner there, based upon the response we got from you know a good sort of fifteen or twenty people. Mark Beavers was in there as well. A couple of votes for Andrew Taylor, one or two for Josh Feller, a couple for Ben Anik. Um, we also had a couple for Philip Morace as well, which I think was a, a late comer. Anything but given his impact, it's pre- his perhaps not. Su- not surprising. Uh, one for Darren Prattley, <laughs> which I think is interesting, given that he's played about an hour and a half uh, this season. But uh, you know, Twitter be Twitter. Guess you can't knock that one ahead. Um, I I struggled my own um, vote since did, I posed the question. I've think, been thinking about did it all day. No, nobody voted for no, for Medine. Nobody voted. Nobody voted for Clough either. Nobody voted for uh, Sammy Amiobi. Um, and and nobody voted for. for uh, Laurie Wilson, but I think Tom's probably been busy today marking or something like that. I guess that'll come <laughs> in, in the day. Um, yeah, so I struggle with my own vote on this one. I'm still going to abstain for a little bit, maybe, Dan, if you could come to me shortly um, and perhaps start with Mark or, or Tom, if that's okay with you. Well, Mark, who do you think has been our player of the year thus far? Um, I, I think it's a toss-up between Taylor's consistency and Wheater's goals slash the fact he's been playing in the best defence yeah. pretty much in League One. I don't think you can argue with that. I think it, it, he edges Beavers, who's, who's had a little drop in the last month. I know he's, he was excellent against Saturday, um, but I think at the minute I'm toying with, with the idea of Taylor or, or Wheater as my player of the season. Mm-hmm. How about you, Tom? I think Taylor and Wheater are certainly up there and in with a shout, but you take recent form away from it, look at it across the whole of the season, and there's not a better centre-half in the division than, than Mark Beavers. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember my first away game this season, watching him at Wimbledon, and I thought, if, if we're going to be up there, he's going to be the big part, you know, a big part of it. The reason why we're the best back four in the division is largely down to the organisation, and I think it's Beavers that's that's the heart of that back four. Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't, I, I don't think there's a better centre-half in the division. Mm. I couldn't agree more, Tom. I'm exactly with you. I think we have conceded the least goals this year. We've got we've only conceded 31. When even Sheffield United have conceded 40. I think the nearest to us is Fleetwood with 36. Oh, Bradford 34. That's probably the closest to us. We've got quite easily the best defence in the league. And to think of what a shambles our defence was last year, comparatively. Yeah. Obviously, Parkinson's organisation has been a big part of that. But you can't look past Beavers. He's been a revelation in that in that defence. I mean. Lately, form has slacked a little, but of, as you say, as over the course of the season, he's been an absolute colossus at the back. He's, he has popped up with goals when needed. He's just dominant, 
um, surprisingly quick and surprisingly good on the ball. And not like this is kind of judging him on his ability or whatever, but having a centre back who's a left foot, left footed, is so rare mm. these days. And having one that's good and left footed is even rarer. So for me, Beavers has been a fucking revelation for us, and he's my player of the year. It's from what I've seen, at least, he's been my player of the year. Vela would be up there if he was if he had been played in the attacking midfield role throughout the season, but obviously either due to necessity or stupidity, he's been moved to different positions every now and then. But apart from that, Beavers is mine. Chris, have you finally got an answer? Yeah, I think you guys have persuaded me now. Just to make a couple of points, um, like I said, our average rating over the course of the season is you know, the, the rating they get divided by the number of games they play. So it's quite a good uh, barometer in terms of how players have progressed. Uh, and Vela is up there. I think he's second off the top of my head. I've not checked it since uh, updating it from yesterday. But Beavers is winning, and Beavers is, uh, is would be my choice as well. I think, as you mentioned, over the past couple of weeks, he's maybe been a victim of his own high standards early on in the season, and where you know naturally over the course of a season things are going to fluctuate up and down a little bit, um, and we expect eights, nines out of Beavers every single week. And the fact he was getting sixes and sevens, you know, subjectively. Um, he's no slight on the man. It's just the fact that you know he, he wasn't able to sustain necessarily the the sky high performances that he, he he made so synonymous with himself over the course of the first part of the season. Um, Andrew Taylor gets in there as well because you know it's it's a, it's a long time since I saw a Bolton left back who actually made an impression on me. I've always thought the fullbacks since we had someone the likes of Cox were, were you know much of a muchness. Um, but Taylor's been excellent, and I think Rita deserves credit too because he was part of a really stunningly poor Bolton defence last season, and he's he's brought it round. And whilst there's an argument to be made about the standard that we're playing at, you can't knock the fact that he's made he's knuckled down, he's come back in. You know, we all presume on on slacker wages than he was on previously, uh, and shown as much desire to to work hard for Bolton as, as anybody else. So I think big credit for to him as well. So I think they would probably be my my sort of top three or top four between Beavers, Vela, Taylor and Wheater. Um, Honourable mentions for the likes of Ben Anik in there as well. And even early on in the season, Ami Obi um, mm. and to a lesser extent, Zach Clough. I think we've had some really good really good players. We've had some really good we've spells. Quite a lot in recent weeks. Oh, yeah. I mean, Ami Obi, when we were talking about loans from, from Ken last week, I, I was praying with all my fingers and toes crossed that Ami Obi was the man. I think we've really missed him. I think if we'd have kept him, Judging how we played before Christmas, when yeah. it would be up there with Sheff- with Sheffield, not not chasing second, we might have been chasing first, um, you know, potentially. Uh, it's been, he, he was that Wilson sort injured, that sort of player for us. Yeah, I mean, we've had setbacks. Injured, um, sorry, yeah. we leaving is kind of what's really changed the yeah. formation, and and that's we've had some huge setbacks, and the fact that we're we're our destiny is in our own hands with ten or twelve games to go is is testament to the way that the lads have played. So. Despite whatever negativity might come abre- uh, come across from time to time, this has been one of the most enjoyable seasons in a, in a good while. Hundred percent. Before we're not this monster episode on the head, I just want to. I just had a thought. Then I do want to ask Mark something. Mark Davis has been injured since August, and it's very likely with his contract situation, high wages, that he may and the severity of his injury, he may never play again. But I was thinking the other day. How Wheater, we thought Wheater would never play again, and then he kind of got released, but then came back on lower wages. So, how is Mark Davis doing? If you've heard anything, how is his recovery and whatnot? And do you think there's any chance that Davis could do a Wheater? Because I don't know if any teams like Wheater would 
kind of be interesting. You know, Davis has been here for so long; he must have settled in the area. You can't. I don't know if any teams would be willing to take a risk on someone so injury prone. So, could you actually see Davis staying after the summer? And I spoke to Sparky the other day. Actually, um, he's uh, he's been in a, a knee brace and and he, he got it off and he was walking quite well. And I went over and, and says, you know, how's how are things doing? And he's still very. Uh, well, he's, he's very down. If, if truth be told, he's you know he's he's uh, you know he's, he's he's a quiet lad. He's, you know, he's um, um, <laughs> he, he, he explained the, the the details of the injury. Now, I think it's for him to to, to talk about the details of the injury because it's it's not uh, it's not my place. But it's a very very serious injury, and and I think he's his his attitude was basically let's. Let's just give it some time. Let's see to the end of the season, um, and then see what happens from there. He, I know he's uh, the club have, have given him a lot of help on the rehab, and, and you know he's been brought in consistently to the training ground to sort of keep a part of it. Um, but it's it's just so sad, really, that it was on the, the the knee that hadn't been the problem all the way through his career. And he's had all those all those problems on the on the one knee, and then just a, a total freakish. Uh, studs getting caught in a bit of grass um, and that was uh, uh, a very very serious injury so at, at the moment I think you've got to say he's, he's not going to be playing for Bolton again at the moment. So sad, I was there in that game and the Charlton game was the start of our first bad run of form this season and mm. I put that really down to it. It seems like all our bad runs of form come when something we lose the player or our formation has to be changed and the team takes a while to settle or we go back to how it was and that first one was Davis getting injured. It was uh, early. I think it was late in the second, uh, the first half, sorry, of the game. Just as I say, just twisted his knee, and it was horrible. The ground fell deathly silent as he was stretched off, and it was horrible mm. to see because we started the season off so well. And it is sad to see that he may never put on the white shirt again. But on that sour, kind of sour, sad ending, that has been Line of Inner Sweet Podcast episode seventy-three. It's been quite a long and fascinating talk. So I'm sure we all agree. But now. It's time to finally get off and go to bed. It's half ten on a Monday night. Um, Sunday night, even. Worked, work day tomorrow. Well, not for me, because I'm a lazy student who was for quite long. But hey. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, I've been Dan Murphy. You can follow me on Twitter at Mabroski. You can follow Chris on Twitter at 19man83. You can follow Tom on Twitter at DownTheManyRD. And, of course, you can follow Mark on Twitter at Mark Isles, and you can find him over on the Bolton News Wanderers stuff, you know. You, you know that by now. Of course, you can find us all on Line of VNSD and of lineofvnsweet.com where all the pesky rating articles and all the other great content can be found. So, lads, if there's nothing else to say, it's time to say goodbye. So, say goodbye, Chris. Goodbye, Chris. Say goodbye, Tom. Goodbye, Tom. Say goodbye, Mark. Goodbye, Mark. Oh, <laughs> no, not you too. Patrick. Horrible. Yes. Get in there, honky tonk. (laughs) It's goodbye from me, Sarah.